We're in James chapter 1 today. We're walking through the book of James. The thing I like about James a lot is, and James is in the New Testament, it's sort of toward the back of the book, uh, toward the back of the New Testament. What I really like about it is, he does a great job of saying, here's what you need to do, and, and it's like this. He illustrates really, really well. I think that's why people sort of gravitate to James. I had a friend the other day ask me about, he said, I'm reading my Bible, but I don't understand it, and so... I said, well, what translation are you using? Now, you all know, we're t- today we're talking about the Bible a little bit. You all know that the Bible was written, originally the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so we have English translations of what was written in other languages. So just like anything else that's translated, um, the one that's most common is the King James Bible, but that was translated in, the first translation was in 1611, and they've updated it some. The new King James isn't as hard to understand, but sometimes the King James Bible is difficult to understand because it reads a lot like um, Shakespeare. And most of us, I know many of you are scholars and read Shakespeare, but most of us, common people, don't read Shakespeare a lot. And so um, I use the New International Version. That makes sense to me. There's the New Living Translation, which is really a good translation. But there are, there are tons of translations out there. So today, we're going to talk about how do I get the most out of reading my Bible. I talk a lot about, hey, read your Bible and that sort of thing. And today, we're going to talk about the fact that the Bible is here for us. In fact, there was some uh, research done recently that found that 83% of Americans, or 87, let me see what my little sheet says, um, 80, 82%, I wasn't right on either one of them, 82% of Americans revere the Bible. It's like, it, it's a... It's something to be honored. Um, And then 69% believe that the Bible has everything you need to live a a meaningful life. It has all the instruction and all the help you need. It's right there. So it's a a resource that we need to utilize. And I want to begin with a story. This is a 1913 Liberty Head nickel. There aren't many of them in existence. And back in the 40s, there was a guy named um, Owen... Owen um, Walton, he lived in Virginia, that would be a television show, and um, he, he was a, an estate appraiser, and so he saw one of these nickels up for sale, and because he was an appraiser, he had kind of right of first refusal, and so he had the opportunity to, to buy this, and so he did. He paid, let's see, it was a lot of money for the day, $3,750 to purchase one of these Liberty Head nickels. So, I mean, it was like... He bought it, he took it home, he said to his family, who knows nothing about coins, hey, this is incredibly valuable, you're going to want to hold on to this, super valuable. So this is in the 40s. 20 years later, he, so he puts this coin in a safe in the closet, and, and just they all kind of forget about it. 20 years later, he's going to a coin show, and he, uh, he tragically dies in a car accident. So his family gets the coin out, they have it appraised, the appraisers look at it, they deem it to be fake. They stamp it as not worth anything, and they give it back to them. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'd be tempted to just throw it away. But they stuck it back in the safe in the closet, you know. Well, so this is a 1913. In 2013, it was a 100-year anniversary of these coins being minted. And as far as anybody knows, there were only five of them ever minted. Well, they got all the other four copies together... And they put out a hundred, I'm sorry, a million dollar reward if somebody could bring in the fifth coin. So 
by this time, of course, Mr. Walton has died, and this coin has passed down, and it ended up in his like his great nephew's hand. A guy named it's this guy Ryan Givens is his name. The guy on the left. And so on a whim, it's like, well, my great uncle said this was the fifth of these, so I'm going to take it in to get it appraised. And they appraised it, and the first appraisal back in the '60s was wrong. This really was the fifth of these coins, and he sold it for $3.1 million. Now, all of us are now looking at our change, because uh, it's like, I need one of them. I mean, maybe there's a sixth. Um, every time I watch Antique Roadshow, do you all do this? I watch Antique Roadshow, and then I look at all my stuff, and it's all from Ikea. I mean, I know that, like, none of it's going to be anything worth anything. But I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping Mama gives me something. You know, uh, um, Mom told me the other day, she said, um, I've got some of your old albums. I'm like, oh, the White Album, you know, maybe. Uh, so I went home. <laughs> uh, it was like Barry Manilow. Uh, so really, not, not worth Jack. Uh, okay, okay. Anyway. So, in Mr. Givens' case, there was a, a treasure, an um, untapped resource of blessing, and for us, the Bible can be this, and is often this untapped resource of blessing. Do you, you know the Bible is printed in, in like, I think, I think it's 1,300 languages? I mean, there's really not many excuses for not reading your Bible. They're, they're everywhere. You can buy Bibles at Walmart, at Ollie's. I mean, you can buy Bibles everywhere. You can get it on your phone for free. Uh, there are websites that you can look at that have multiple translations of the Bible. I use those when I'm look, looking at and working on sermons. I mean, there are option after option of reading our Bible. It's, it is available, but you have to use it. And just being in the vicinity, I mean, you can put your Bible on your nightstand next to your bed. That's not really enough. You have to actually open it up and read it. And do it. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Because I don't know, I know nobody in here has ever done this, but I know of people who buy exercise equipment and it becomes where you hang your clothes. Okay, well, you can own a Bible, but it really doesn't do you any good unless you exercise it. So today we're going to, let, let me show you this sort of, this is kind of the key verse, and then we're going to look at some verses before and after. But James 1.25 says, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but, but doing it, they will be blessed if they do, or in what they do. So, how do you get the most? If, if I'm going to read the Bible, and I, I harp on it a lot, and I know this here is the reason. I'm your pastor, and as your pastor, my job is to help you grow spiritually. This is my job. As a dad, one of my jobs for my children is to help them mature, and to give them direction, and, and to help them become good people. I've got four daughters, and I think they're all pretty good people. And to learn a work ethic, I, you know, I, I taught them this, and, and we taught them you know, uh, what's right and wrong, and what the Bible says about what's right and wrong, and, and that Scripture's where we turn to when we need our answers. And, and so this is my job as a dad. Well, as a pastor, I, I have a responsibility to you to tell you what will help you. Now, when I talk to my girls, they don't always listen like they should. When my daddy talked to me, I didn't always listen like I should. But my job is to help you know what, how to live the best life you can in Christ. One of the ways, and really, 
one of the keys to living the best life you can live is to not just own a Bible, not just to read a Bible. It's, it's to let the Bible impact your life. And so let's talk about what that looks like according to James because he gives us exactly what we need to let it impact us, how to get the most out of our Bible. Number one, I have to be receptive. And so in James 121, it says, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which um, uh, can save you. The, the word literally means he invites us into relationship through Scripture. God invites us into relationship. Now, if you've ever been invited to a, a wedding, you know, wedding invitations now, you know, um, John and, and Sarah invite you to, to come to their wedding, and, and you, you know, save the date, and you're supposed to, the invitation is a big deal, and, and you put it on your calendar, and you put it on your phone so you don't forget because you've been invited to something big, right? You've been invited to something big. Well, in this text, he's saying he, he invites us into something big. And the word that I really want to look at here, this is how he illustrates. He's awesome at this. He talks about, he he's, has planted, the Word of God is like seeds that get planted in our lives. This is really, really, really important for us to understand. Now, uh, at my house, I have Bermuda grass. Anybody else have Bermuda? Those of you who don't have Bermuda... <laughs> That's bad for you. Uh, Bermuda is great. We have a word for Bermuda in Kentucky. We call that a weed, but uh, not here. Um, And so Bermuda, I love about Bermuda is it doesn't grow very high. I think I mowed my yard. I'm not even lying about this. And I lie about a lot of stuff, but not this. Uh, uh, I think I mowed maybe six times last year. I never mow. I mean, it never grows. It's great. So I had some spots of stuff that wasn't Bermuda, and so I decided I'm going to kill that off and I'm going to put Bermuda down. Now, um, the, the beauty of Bermuda is it's heat tolerant. In fact, it loves heat. It doesn't need a lot of water, which is great in the summer. And um, except it's not always good not in the sun, right? So unless you get Tiff Tough. Tiff Tough is for the shade. All right, this is really good to know before you buy a lot of sod which I didn't know before I bought a lot of sod. So I bought some, I put it in the shade, it didn't grow very well because it wasn't tiff tough. So I go back to the guy and I said, hey man, I planted this Bermuda, I thought it was going to be good, uh, but it's not doing very well. And he said, well, is it in the shade? Yeah. Mm, you need tiff tough. Like, well, <laughs> thanks. Okay, so um, I bought some tiff tough, put some tiff tough out there. That's great. Now, it depends... On the soil, it depends on the shade, how receptive that grass is to growth, right? Okay, so you are receptive or unreceptive to God's word. It just depends on your attitude going in. You have to, you have, you have to say, okay, I'm going to believe this, I'm going to live this, I'm all in or I'm not all in. But I've got an attitude looking at Scripture, And James talks about this. He says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. There's a way we should approach. There's a receptivity that we need to have in looking at the Bible or listening to a sermon. So let me give you some hearing aids. How to aid your receptivity. Number one, I need to be quick to listen. So instead of being on my phone looking at whatever cat videos on YouTube. Uh, I need to be listening, right? 
When I read my Bible, I put my phone, I go to a different room from where my phone is. Because it is funny, when it, even if I have it on silent, it'll still go, and I need to know what, I need to know. Because what if something really amazing happened? Now, I've had a phone for a long time, and nothing really amazing has ever happened. But I'm sure it's going to happen someday, and that, when it goes, I need to know about it. Okay, so I need to kind of separate myself from the phone because I don't need, I don't need distractions. When, when I was a kid, um, my daddy, we didn't have an option about going to church. Mom and daddy, that was a rule, you went to church. And so I went to church, and, and this was, I was probably, I don't know, 15, 14, 15 years old. And um, it was evening church, Sunday night church, which we don't have here, but back in the day we had Sunday night church. And I had to go. I didn't want to go because it was playoff Sunday and the Cowboys were playing. And you all, we all know it's America's team and they have a hole in the roof so God can watch. Uh, you know, it's, it's the Cowboys. And so I'm listening. I, I want to, I'm watching the Cowboys game and then Daddy and Mama came in and said, well, let's go to church. It's like, see, I was hoping they would, wouldn't notice me. But they did. So I got in the car, but I, I, I had a strategery, man. I had already figured this out. So I wore my great big down coat. It was 60, but it's okay. I wore my big down coat, and I had my transistor radio. For those of you who are, are, are uh, younger than 40, you'll need to Google that later. Okay, uh, transistor radio. And you know, they didn't have earphones. They had a little, a little thing for one ear. So I had that in. I, it was... Now, Daddy was on that side of the church, and I'm on this side, so guess which ear I put it in? That's right. Put it in this ear. Um, I acted like I was really interested in the sermon. See that? See what I'm doing? I may have given myself away when um, (laughs) the Cowboys scored. I went, whoo, and we're Baptist. It's not like we do that. You know, we didn't do that. So everybody kind of looked at me, it's like, Good today. You know, is that, uh, he is killing it. Okay. I was obviously distracted, right? So, there, there is, when James gives us this advice, be, be quick to listen and slow to speak. This is good advice in life, by the way. Uh, there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. Uh, really, that should be the ratio. We should listen much more than we speak. And, and so, he, he's saying you, you have to come in with, with the right attitude. You have to be attentive to what God might be saying to you. How many of us, I mean, I'm not going to ask you for a, raise, a show of hands, but how many of us have ever said, you know, God, I'm going to church today or I'm going to read my Bible today and I need you to, I, I would love to hear you speak to me. Because we just sort of go, which is great you're coming and I love that, but what about getting something out of it when you get there? It's kind of important, Right? When I was in Michigan, I had a mother that came up to me after church, and she said, you know, she brought her kid in that Sunday, and I think he was a third or fourth grader, I can't remember now, but Johnny, I can't remember the kid's name. She said, I brought Johnny today, and I told him they needed to be quiet in church, because he had never been in big church before, and this was a big deal, and so she brought Johnny into big church, and, and he said, she said, while you were preaching, I leaned over, and I said, Johnny, down do you know why you have to be quiet? And Johnny said, yeah, because people are sleeping. Uh, so, um, that's one reason to be quiet. Anyway, you got to listen carefully. That was bad parenting, just so you know. Uh, 
Secondly, you got to get settled. The funniest thing about Sunday morning, I don't know about you guys, but stuff sometimes goes wrong coming to church. You can't get the kids dressed. You can't get the kids to sit down. The kids have a fight. You, you burn the toast. Your husband takes a, a shower really, really long, and then when you get in, there's no water or no hot water. Uh, you know, just stuff happens. As a preacher, Saturday night is key for me because it's like, it's like game days tomorrow. So it's funny to me, often when I, every once in a while we'll get a squirrel in our attic, it's always on a Saturday. They're demonic. They, they really are. Have you looked at their beady little eyes? Uh, they, are from, they are messengers of Satan, every, every squirrel, every one, a messenger of Satan. I mean, that's not in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure. And, and it, it never failed. I mean, why don't they come on Tuesday morning? Or Tuesday night. I, I wouldn't care so much. It's always Saturday night. Satan is smart enough to know that, hey, they're going to church tomorrow. And for me, my son, he's, he's going to preach tomorrow. I need to mess him up a little bit. So here you are, and you're driving to church, right? And second, second service crowd, you're driving to church. First service crowd, there's no traffic. Uh, but if you come to second service, traffic, and you're driving into church. And you can't drive on a Sunday like you do on a Monday. Because on a Monday, they're all sinners out here. Uh, but on, on Sunday, it's all church people. And you might be going to church with them, right? The one thing you don't want to do is like jerk over and, and pull in front of them and then you both turn into the parking lot. Because that's awkward. And you don't want that. And what you do if you see them pulling in, you just, you just go on to someplace else. Because you don't want to be a part of it. And Sunday mornings can be just this, this season, this, this, this moment of turmoil, and you fight, and you fuss, and stuff doesn't go right, and the car doesn't start, and all these things can happen. And, and there is a, a sense of, all right, I need to, I need to quiet myself a little bit. I, I, need to, I need to just get calm. And when I'm reading my Bible, for me, I have to get up a little early, just for me. I'm telling you, I'm telling you how I do it. I get up a little early, I get a cup of coffee, I don't have my phone anywhere near me. I do sometimes have a, a pad and a pencil, a, a pad and a piece of paper, a pad and a pen. Let me slow down, a pad and a pen, in case I need to write something down. Because here's what happens when I'm reading my Bible. I'll read my Bible, I'm going to read it for just a second, and all of a sudden, in my mind, it'll, it'll, something will come up. Uh, you need to change the furnace filter. That's not in here. It's not in here ever. But... Now, I've, I've thought about it. Now I'm thinking about, well, when's the last time I changed my furnace filter? You know, uh, I wonder how long it's been. Um, furnace filters need to be changed. I, so instead of dwelling on it, I just write it down. Furnace filter. You know, replace furnace filter. And then I can get back to thinking about this. Because I am so easily distracted. And that stuff happens all the time. And I used to, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I used to say, okay, I'm gonna, I'll just remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't even work. Uh, and then I started to say, okay, I'll do, I'll do everything, you know, I'll try to make everything with an F. Furnace filter and feed the pigs, you know, whatever. And I, I, I have to do it that way, and then I forget all of them, and it's just useless. So I just started writing it down. I just, it's like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. But I have to, part of the calming for me is I've got to be where I can write something down in case... I get distracted because I get distracted. 
And I don't want anything to distract me. And that's what he's talking about here. We've got to get settled and undistracted. And the third thing is, you've got to kind of clean your heart a little bit. You, you have to check your heart. When it says here, this, I love the Greek language because they, they use words that mean other things sometimes. When it says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your life, that word that this translated filth and evil, is the word they use for earwax. So basically, he's saying, Q-tip your life, uh, is kind of what he's saying here. Um, get, get, the, get the bad stuff out. So, so when I was young, in, in my 20s, early 20s, I would go to church. And again, when I lived at home, it was never a question of, am I going to go to church or not? Mom and Daddy just expected me to go, and I just knew it was an expectation. And I never stayed out late because... Daddy had a saying, he had lots of sayings, and he said, if you're out past 12 o'clock, you're a suspect. And so uh, he said, I've never been accused of anything that happened after 12 o'clock because I've always been at home. And it's like, okay, makes sense. So I got home early, but sometimes I would stay up late. You know, do, it, I was a, I'm 20, I'm, I'm stupid. And I would do stupid things on Saturday night or Friday night, and I would go to church on Sunday. And it is really a funny thing how the Bible has this tendency to sort of spotlight your sin and how sermons, I don't know how preachers do it, and it's funny to me that sometimes you will come up to me and you'll say, that's just what I needed, and I have no idea how that works because God is amazing, and he just does that. But I would go to church, and, and and it would be like, I would feel dirty because of what I'd done on Friday night or Saturday night. And that's what he's talking about here. Get rid of that. When you come to hear a message, when you when you approach God's word, either one of those things, and you... You kind of cleanse your heart. And here's what, the thing I, one of the things I really like about God is how generous he is with his forgiveness. In 1 John it says, God is faithful and he's reliable and if we confess our sins, he forgives them and he cleanses us from them. He cleanses us from everything we've ever done wrong. When I feel dirty, all I have to do is ask. And he forgives. And he's reliable, and he's not, he's not stingy with his forgiveness. And that verse in the, the Living Bible that we just looked at, get rid of all that is wrong in your life, both inside and out. Now, the fourth hearing aid is, I, I need to humble myself. It says, humbly accept the word God has planted in you. Here's the deal, if I already know everything, I don't need God to tell me anything. And so, I need to be receptive I need to quiet my spirit. I need to shut my mouth. I need to, to kind of agree with it before he even says it. I, I have to get myself in a place where I, I sort of have an open heart to hearing God speak, whether it's through his word or through a message at church. The first thing, the first thing is I have to be receptive. The thick, second thing is I have to be reflective. I've got to think about it a little bit. For me, I have to dwell on it just a little bit. Sometimes I get it right off, but a lot of times I, I have to think about it. Now, again, James, he does this great job of using illustrations. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. When I first got into ministry, I was, um, I was a youth pastor, and it was in... Pleasant Grove, Texas. It's a kind of a southern suburb of Dallas. A little hoodie. It's a little bit rough, right? 
and we rented a house. Miriam and I had just gotten married. We had no kids. We rented a house right behind the church, and one of my jobs as youth pastor was to unlock the church on Sunday morning. So this particular Sunday morning, I unlocked the church, turned on the lights. I'm walking to another door to unlock it. I glance to my right, and I notice that on the wall we had a picture of a rooster. I keep walking. I'm thinking, then I got to thinking, why would we have a picture of a rooster in the lobby at our church? It didn't make any sense. And I walked back, and it was a mirror. And I had an alfalfa thing going on. And I was like, Miriam, why would you let me leave? I mean, seriously, we just got married. Maybe she was, you know, trying to keep all the babes away. I don't know what she was doing. That, that was it. I'm pretty sure that was what was going on. And she's not in here. <laughs> ah, it's beautiful. Anyway, it would have been dumb for me to notice that I had the alfalfa look going and not to fix it, right? I went home. I, I, I put some water on my head or something. I did something to fix it. I rehandsomed. You know, I, I had to do something because it's dumb to look at it and not do something. And this is what... What James is saying, it's like, listen, it's dumb to look at it and not do something. Because here's the point. A mirror reflects what we are on the outside, and and we want this to be okay. God's Word reflects what we are on the inside, and we want that also to be okay. Look at what it says in Hebrews. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It exposes our innermost thoughts. It's... A light into our souls. God's word is penetrating. It it helps us. And if I want to be spiritually mature, it has nothing to do with how much I know. It has everything to do with what I do with what I know. And so here it is. The Bible is like this mirror. Queen Elizabeth was a beautiful woman when she was younger, but she got older. And as she got older, she told them to remove all the mirrors in Buckingham Palace because she didn't like the way she looked anymore. And some of us don't read the Bible for the very same reason. We don't like what it reveals about us. So I'm I'm not going to read it or I'm not going to go to church where they talk about the Bible because I really don't like what it reveals about me. See, it says here, you look intently because... You can look at a mirror in one of two ways. You You can glance at it in passing... Or you can gaze into it. A glancing in at the word is better than not looking at it at all. But what he's talking about here is really looking at it. What is this text saying to me? What does this sermon mean for me? Because it's got to have it's going to have meaning for me today. And, and I I have this little thing. I put it on the outline so you could have one. Uh, if you read your Bible and you sit down and there and you want to use this. Is there a sin there for me to confess? Is something going on in my life that the Bible is revealing to me that I just need to say, God, I'm sorry about this. Will you help me? I'm going to quit this, and I need need to ask forgiveness. Because we just saw a verse that said, if we ask, he's faithful to forgive us. Is there a principle to follow? Uh, You reap what you sow. That's a principle. And so I have to remember, okay, if I want good things, I I have to sow good things. To sow good words if I want good words. Uh, I have to be um, careful with my money if I want to have money. I reap what I sow. Is there an assurance to embrace? I mean, there are a lot of assurances in Scripture, and maybe 
the day you read something and, and, and you, need, you needed assurance. And the Bible says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, and, and you needed that. That's an assurance that you can embrace. Maybe it's a command to obey. And there are commands all throughout Scripture. Uh, love one another. Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. There's command after command after command in Scripture. And maybe today's reading where you read, you, you read something like that. Or maybe there's an example to follow. And I love the Old Testament because there are guys and gals who did great things. And they, you read about Ruth and you read about Esther and you read about Moses and you read about Joseph. And these guys did certain things and they were like us and yet they did amazing things. And we could do amazing things too. See, it's, it's not so much as... I'm going to just read it, but I also have to think about it a little bit. Look, at what, look intently at it. I've got to really, really think about it. Um, this word literally means to meditate. The Bible talks about this. Look at this verse. I meditate on your word all day long. And we think of meditation, and you, you, if you're not careful, you get in your mind some guy doing this, and going, ohm, and, you know, and you're, you empty your mind and think about the lint in your navel or something stupid. Uh, it's not that. Although you might need to think about that. But no, uh, it's not that. Meditation is just, okay, I read it, and now I need to think about it a little bit. And maybe I need to think about it more than once today, and it's on my phone, so I could, re- I could look at it again. And I look at it at lunch, and then I look at it at supper, and maybe I look at it again tomorrow, because this verse means something to me. That's meditation. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because what is worry? Worry is thinking about the same thing over and over. Right? It's thinking about the same thing over and over. Well, meditation is thinking about the same thing over and over. And here's why this is important. The U.S. Air Force did a study and found that we forget 95% of what we hear within 72 hours. This is the stinkingest statistic ever for a preacher. I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm making this thing interesting for you people, and with it by Wednesday, you've forgotten 95% of it. No wonder you're jacked up. I mean, seriously. So, I, re- I have to be receptive to God's Word, I have to be reflective, and then I've got to be responsive. Don't just listen to God's Word, you must do what it says. Don't just audit the course in college, you can audit classes. You know this, right? And you, if you're auditing a class, you don't have to take the tests. You don't have to write the papers. You just get the knowledge. You don't have to do anything with it. You're not responsible for it. Th- those people who paid for the class and are trying to get credit for the class, they are the ones that have to take the tests, and they're the ones that are going to get graded. But if you audit, you don't get graded. And some people audit church. They just come to church. Hey, I, I, like, I like coming. There's a free cinnamon roll. Sweet. And get, there's pretty good coffee, and it's okay, and there are friends there, and I like hanging out, and it's great, and it's all good for me. And I'm, I don't want to be responsible for what I hear. I'm just going to go. The test of maturity, as I said just a second ago, isn't what you know. It's what you do with what you know. It's your character. Let's say the elders come to me, and they say, Pastor, we're a little worried about your health. It looks like you got a furniture problem. Your chest has dropped into your drawers. And uh, you need some help. And so the elders are looking out for me, and they get me a book, Fitness for Dummies. It's a little offensive, but that's what they get me. 
And they say, Pastor, this book can change your life. It has changed other people's lives. (laughs) If you know our elders, none of them. But uh, uh, it has changed other people's lives. And we're going to give you three months sabbatical, and you go be with this book. And you study this book. And so I take the three months off. I'm all in. I take the book, Fitness for Dummies. I come back in three months, and I, I look the exact same as I did when I left. And they're like, well, did you read the book? Oh, I read it. I, I underlined it. I had I have, uh, highlighters. I highlighted parts of it. We did studies of chapters of the book. <laughs> what, what would the elders say? Well, we didn't just want you to read it. We kind of wanted you to do it. And I think sometimes we read the Bible and it's like we check it off. Well, check it off, check it off. Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. It's great to have it. It's great to read it. It's better to do it. Because reading it isn't enough. And listening to a sermon isn't enough. You have to do something with it. James, he's just... I love it because he has a pastor's heart. And he tells us these things because it's important for our spiritual well-being. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today and for these words. And thank you for reminding us that your word is this resource. And many of us, including me, sometimes don't tap it like we need to. We need to tap into the knowledge, but also the wisdom of, of what your word can bring to our lives. And help us, Lord, to not just read it, but to apply it. We, we live in a world that's changing and Biblical ethics aren't out there like they used to be. And it's going to be more important as we go on to know your word and to live your word. And help us to do it even when we're swimming against the flow. We pray this in Jesus' name.